guys with three major stories uh, tonight is a big night because it's Biden's state of confusion. I mean, state of the union. And of course, he's going to be listing all of his major accomplishments over the past year. And I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of entertainment. You know, most people, I posted this uh, show on Telegram. People saw the title and they said, I can't stomach. I can't possibly stand to watch the state of the union tonight. But, you know, for me, it's more of an entertainment value, right? Of course, I'm going to tune in just to have a good laugh. But, you know, I have some predictions on what Biden's going to talk about tonight, and I want to cover that with you guys. And uh, just fact, just let's call it pre-fact check before he has a chance to lie. I also want to cover massive revelations highlighted by Elon Musk on Twitter. Uh, There was actually a Twitter files dump that was done in January by Matt Taibbi, and I think Elon Musk feels that it deserves more attention than it got because he's decided to highlight this again. And it, it is very, very interesting. It's the thing I spent most of my morning uh, reviewing because there's actually stuff in this that implicates former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo under the Trump administration. So you're not going to want to miss that one. And also, I have an update regarding Arizona. And no, it doesn't have to do with Kerry Lake. This is regarding Abraham Hamaday seeking a new trial and uh, an inspection of the ballots. And it's actually very... Interesting because he has some new evidence that's been obtained by his attorneys and the RNC. So stick around for all that. But first, a message from the sponsor of this show, Goldco. With the war in Ukraine, inflation being out of control, and the country being $30 trillion in debt, it's starting to look like 2008 all over again. Millions of Americans watched their retirement savings disappear, while those who invested in physical gold and silver were protected. And if you have $50,000 or more in your IRA, 401k, or savings, you could be at risk again. Right now, thousands of Americans are using an IRS loophole to add physical gold and silver to their retirement savings. Visit nicklovesgold.com now to get a free gold IRA kit and learn how thousands are protected protecting their retirement savings with gold and silver. Protect your savings and you could get up to $10,000 in free silver to do it. Gold Co. has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of customer reviews, and they've helped place over $1 billion in precious metals. We could be looking at a recession worse than 2008, so don't wait. Visit nicklovesgold.com. That's nicklovesgold.com. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, go to nicklovesgold.com. You especially want to go... <laughs> you're going to want to go there... After my take on Biden's State of the Union, trust me. Now, I see a comment from Mountain Man 27 who says, I'm curious if this is going to be a Joe Biden Red Room soldier background speech about the domestic terrorists. For some reason, I just have a feeling it's going to be one. And it's interesting you say that because just before I started this show, I saw MSNBC talk about the fact that they're they are actually erecting the fences around the Capitol again like they did during Biden's inauguration. I poop you not. And I'll prove it to you. In fact, I have a one-minute clip that I'm going to play. Check it out. They are putting the fences back up. Ryan, let's talk about these precautions being taken ahead of the address. What more do we know? Yeah, that's right, Lindsay. Uh, You know, it is certainly a sign of our political times. Over the weekend, as we first reported, uh, that Capitol fencing has been put back up around Capitol Square out of what uh, Capitol Police are telling us is an abundance of caution as part of their robust security plan. A spokesperson uh, for the Capitol Police telling us, quote, national special security events require a robust security plan. So out of an abundance of caution, the U.S. Secret Service and the U.S. Capitol Police temporarily put up this fence around the U.S. Capitol building. This comes at a steep cost. 
cost. It's a million dollars every single time they put this fence up. And it's also very important to note that this was not the regular security protocol prior to January 6th. And there is, of course, a rise in the number of threats against members of Congress about uh, political officials just in general. And so the Secret Service and Capitol Police both recommending to the Capitol Police Board that they take this step. And, uh, Lindsay, they're hoping uh, that there won't be any incident. They're, they aren't talking about any sort of specific threat around the speech itself, but it's a demonstration about how they believe the political climate and how it currently exists that they feel as though this is something that they have to do. So there's no specific threat, but we're going to erect a million-dollar fence around the Capitol, right? I mean, what's going on here? Are they actually anticipating something that they're not telling us? Or, like you said, is Biden going to be screaming about the MAGA Republicans and calling us all domestic terrorists again? To deflect from all of his major failures, uh, I mean, what with what, the war in Ukraine, inflation be- Damn it, I did it again. I played my ad again. Damn How it. much do you think the targeting um, of you last week? So, that threw me off. But, yeah, what, what the hell's going on here? Uh... You know, rumor has it, actually, that this is to keep Joe Biden from wandering around and getting lost and sniffing children. That's that's what I heard. <laughs> you know, my, my intel sources told me that's why they're putting up the fence. But, you know, in all seriousness, um, this just goes to show you that, well, I mean, nothing looks like 81 million votes than having to put a fence up around your State of the Union speech two years or what is it, two or three years after... You know, millions of people protested your the, the certification of your election, which we knew was rigged. Yes, this is the political climate now because the election was rigged and because you're systematically, intentionally destroying the country. Well, not you, but your handlers are. So, so um, the fact that we're doing this again, you know, it just goes to show you this, this is how Joe's doing, right? The illegitimate president, I hate to call him that, but at least I, you know, set the pretext by calling him illegitimate. But illegitimate President Joe Biden is doing so terrible that they have to put a fence up around his State of the Union. And I hope that this is waking people up. I really do. I hope that people can see through this. Um, but, you know, so so I don't know if there's something coming that maybe it's a false flag, uh, maybe something else. But, you know, m- my prediction is that Joe Biden is going to be showcasing a lot of his, uh, you know, some impressive numbers tonight because we had a jobs report come out, which they're bragging about. Everyone from CNN, MSNBC, even Fox News is bragging about this so-called jobs report, which shows that Joe Biden has exceeded everybody's expectations and brought the unemployment rate back down, you know, to pre-COVID numbers, basically restoring the same economy that we had uh before, you know, when, when Trump was in office, only this time with massive inflation, $31 trillion of national debt, and, you know, uh, people can't make ends meet. But this jobs report, I imagine, is going to be the highlight of, you know, what Joe Biden's focused on tonight. You know, or maybe, maybe he'll just go, maybe he'll just go off and list his failures, but say that, you know, because these are record numbers, they're actually accomplishments. Like maybe Joe Biden's going to get up there and say, listen, we had record 40-year high inflation. Crime is through the ro- We've never seen crime like this. This is amazing. I'm shattering records. You know, fentanyl overdoses are off the charts. I, I set the record of 
you know, classified documents being scattered around the most amount of properties. You know, th- these are the only things that <laughs> these are the only things that Joe Biden's done that I guess you could call accomplishments. He's broken a lot of records. I mean, they're not good numbers, but they are numbers and they are high, right? So, um, man, this is this is just going to be uh, epically embarrassing because if this guy tries to go out there and tries to tell the American people that the economy's in good shape and we're doing such a great job here, I think that that's going to backfire uh, tremendously because it's obvious, right? It's so obvious that it's all a farce. The, 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 the reason that there's been jobs created and unemployment is back down is because they reopened businesses after the pandemic. People are going back to work after the government imposed lockdowns. And because people are, you know, not just forced to, like people are being forced to get a second and third job just to make ends meet because freaking eggs are $50 a dozen. People's rent has increased 30% in the last two years. Mortgages have doubled. People are struggling. You know, like, so people are having to get second and third jobs, which pay minimum wage, and inflation's out of control, and it's not keeping up with wage increases, and people are literally struggling, man. So, um, I don't think that this is going to go over too well. And, uh, you know, I looked at some polls, and apparently over 40% of Americans feel that they're worse off under Joe Biden, and 74% of Americans believe that we're headed for a recession in 2023. Uh, Biden's approval numbers are in the toilet, and the American people are not too happy right now, uh, even if there is a reduction in unemployment. People are certainly not feeling it. And not to mention, you know, you can get out there and talk about the jobs report, you know, the the freaking jobs report, which we all know is a farce. And that's not going to detract from the fact that uh, we're on the verge of nuclear war with Russia. You know, we've been funding a proxy war, sending $100 billion over to Ukraine for no damn reason. Our borders wide open. Fentanyl's pouring through. Crime is rampant. And China just spent a, sent a spy balloon to traverse the continental United States coast to coast and faced absolutely no consequences. And in fact, turned around and said that we overreacted and that this is going to damage international relations with China. And they're looking at taking uh, necessary steps to respond. That's where we're at and everybody knows it. You know, we're on the verge of World War Three. So your freaking jobs report, which is a total farce, isn't going to cut it. And everybody knows it. And I, I would be surprised just to see Joe Biden get up there and not sound like a demented retard. Like, I'm pretty sure Joe Biden is backstage right now getting shot up with adrenochrome, you know, and they're, they're, they're uh, feeding him, spoon feeding him tapioca pudding just to get through the hour. Right? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on right now. And everybody knows it. Now, I got one more thing about this. I saw a New York Post article which shares some of the similar, uh, same predictions that I said. Oops, but takes it a little bit further. And these are six lies 
that the New York Post is predicting Biden will tell in his State of the Union speech. So I just found this interesting and a little bit entertaining. So when when President Biden stands before Congress and issues the State of the Union address Tuesday night, he will proclaim victory on the nation's economy. Most Americans are going to wonder, what country is he talking about? Yes, the jobs market is strong, and that's good news. But sorry, Mr. President, the American economy is not strong. It isn't even good. The last two years have been pretty rotten on almost every metric. The squeeze on family finances, inflation, immigration, declining test scores in schools, the budget deficit, and debt out of control government. Here are six fibs you're very likely to hear the president recite Tuesday night. They should be tagged with the label of the less left's favorite word this year, disinformation. Number one, Biden has reduced the budget deficit by 1.4 trillion. Actually, no president in modern times even comes close to Biden in terms of fiscal recklessness. In his first two years, the national debt has risen by more than $4.2 trillion. That's more in any two-year period in American history. And this is my favorite line of the whole article. It just describes it brilliantly. This, this is the summation of Biden's State of the Union speech right here. Biden is like a school kid celebrating an improved report card because the first semester he got an F but the second semester, a D minus. Wow. Way to go, Biden. Hercules, Hercules. You went from an F to a D. Same thing with the gas prices. Uh, you know, gas was, what, $2.86 under Trump. Biden comes in, it shoots up to $7. It comes down to about five fifty, and Biden says, look, I, I just lowered the gas prices, $1.50. Okay, douchebag, but we, we already know that it was 286 just two years ago. Nobody's that stupid. I God forbid the American public is that stupid. I just, I can't for the life of me believe that people could be that stupid to believe that. And not to mention, we already know that just before the midterm election, the reason that the gas prices came down is because Joe Biden depleted the nation's strategic petroleum reserves by 40% to artificially lower the gas prices after he, you know, after he canceled all the offshore leases and uh, the XL pipeline and destroyed our energy independence. Then he goes and begs Saudi Arabia to ramp up production just until after the midterms. And when they said no, then he depletes the strategic petroleum reserves by 40%, which artificially lowered the gas prices, but puts us in a vulnerable position as we're sitting on the verge of World War III and we're sending $100 billion and our military equipment over to Ukraine and we <laughs> and, and our recruitment numbers are in the toilet because of the forced mandated vaccination right um so 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 he's he's depleted our strategic petroleum reserves and put us in a vulnerable position but inevitably that's going to come back up and everybody knows it okay i just went on a little rant there so let's get to number two biden inherited an economy in free fall you know he's been saying this he inherited an economy in free fall when in fact um, when COVID hit the shores in early 2020, the economy was shut down in the face of the once and a half century pandemic. But by 2020 second half, the economy soared by more than 20% and millions of Americans were moving back into their jobs. This was a historic recovery. Um, and by the way, the, I believe that the inflation rate was like 1.4% when Biden took over and it shot up to what? 9%? 
and that's actually number three. So yeah, it was below 2% in January 2021, and then it soared up to about 9%, the highest in 40 years. Now, you gotta, I have to be fair and say that part of that is because of the, the massive COVID spending packages under Trump. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and and ignore that. And I was, I was critical of the massive uh, COVID spending bills, and that did that did cause inflation to soar. Okay, but then you had Biden on top of that with multiple massive spending packages, including the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, and the uh, which which does nothing to curb inflation, and the Infrastructure Bill, which does nothing. For infrastructure, you, 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 I mean, it's been runaway spending, runaway spending, which caused massive inflation. Um, but Biden likes to say that inflation was high when he entered office. Now, I already talked about the gas prices. Now, apparently, the New York Post is predicting that Biden's going to say he's doing all he can to secure the border. Do we really need to cover that one? I mean, that one just goes without saying. Over 5 million illegals have flooded the country. And they stopped the construction of the border wall immediately. So I don't, I don't think we need to go into that one. Biden is dis- de- increasing domestic oil and gas production. Oh, really? Is that why? Uh, so so the, New York, the New York Post says, A 2022 committee to unleash prosperity study by the University of Chicago's Casey Mulligan found that oil production would be 2 million to 3 million barrels a day higher if Biden had simply followed the Trump energy plan. America would have produced nearly 200 billion more oil last year if Biden had not if it were if it were not for Biden's war on fossil fuels. We wouldn't have had to release 1 teaspoon from oil from our strategic reserve. Trump issued permits for drilling on 100 million acres on of federal land. Biden has issued fewer drilling permits than any president since World War II's end. Now, Guys, I know I'm preaching to the frickin' choir here, but I still think it's important to cover this stuff. Um, and maybe we'll get some good gaffes from Sleepy Creepy Joe tonight that we can talk about tomorrow. But I don't want to spend too much time on this. I think it, at most of it just goes without saying. So, with that said, guys, make sure to click that rumble button before we move on to the um, massive, crazy Twitter Files update. It's going to be good. Make sure to smash that rumble button because, uh, you know, we got 476 people watching and only 51 rumbles. And I think I think the way rumble works, you got this thing called a leaderboard and you have to get a certain amount of likes to get on the leaderboard. I think it does come down to the likes. So you guys could really help this channel by clicking that rumble button. And also, uh, one of the only ways that we're going to grow the Wolf Pack, the Nick Cedar channel and all of you guys out there is if you guys click the share button, you take the link and post it on your social media pages and maybe grab one or two friends, you know, that, that uh, you know, need a dose of freaking truth, man. That would be awesome if you guys would share this out. Now, let's move on. Let's get into talking about the Elon Musk tweet, which the Gateway Pundit has highlighted, where Elon Musk says, the worst offender in U.S. government censorship and media manipulation is an obscure agency called GEC. He says they are a threat to our democracy. And so he is actually highlighting a previous Twitter uh, 
what do you call it, Twitter file from Matt Taibbi from January 3rd. But like I said, it appears that Elon Musk feels this needs more attention. And, you know, I've, I've had some criticism about how they've rolled out these Twitter files. I think for the most part, a lot of people have stopped talking about them, despite the fact that they're still ongoing. They're still putting out a lot of information in the Twitter files, but a lot of people just kind of got bored. Because, for one, a lot of people don't want to read a 60-tweet 60, uh, 60 thread on Twitter. And they've also convoluted the more important stories with some, you know, less important stories. And they've also been dropping these, you know, at very poorly strategic, uh, like the strategy, if you're going to dump something newsworthy, is you want to dump it either during the week or possibly Sunday night so that it has a chance to uh, get picked up by the news sites on Monday morning and then carry its way through the week, right? The, w- the worst time to drop something is on a Friday night or on a Saturday. And a lot of, a lot of these dumps have come on a freaking Saturday, which is almost an indicator that it's, well, it, it made a lot of people suspicious that what is this, some sort of attempt to um, bury this stuff? Like you're putting it out there, but you're almost strategically putting it out there in a way that's not getting a lot of eyes. And so, um, you know, I even had that thought. I I had that thought as well. But in this case, I think we had a Twitter dump where Elon Musk, where it didn't get a lot of traction, but Elon Musk is highlighting it again because he feels it's that important. And that does boost my confidence a little bit, especially after reading this Twitter file and realizing that it is actually revelatory. It is a pretty big one. Again, so he says, the worst offender in U.S. government censorship and media manipulation is an obscure agency called GEC. And I would imagine not a lot of people know what the GEC is. We're all familiar with the FBI's collusion with Twitter and the censorship practices of CISA and the DHS. But what about this GEC? What is the GEC? So I decided to do a lot of digging and and researching and uh, studying this Twitter files dump. And I've took some notes to make this really simple because as I was reading it, it was actually very hard to uh, interpret what exactly is being said here and why is this so important. But after reading it like three times, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a pretty big one. So without further ado, let's get into talking about the Global Engagement Center. Now, if you jump to their page and you go to the About Us section, the, U, uh, the, the, the Global Engagement Center's mission is to direct, lead, synchronize, integrate, and coordinate U.S. federal government efforts to recognize, understand, expose, and counter foreign state and non-state propaganda and disinformation efforts aimed at undermining or influencing the policies, security, or stability of the United States, its allies, and partner nations. Their vision is to be a data-driven body leading U.S. into... Uh, interagency efforts in proactively addressing foreign adversaries' attempts to undermine U.S. interests using disinformation and propaganda. So, let me sum that up for you. Their mission statement is basically, we are an open, we're openly admitting that we are a propaganda division of the federal government. (laughs) That's their mission statement in a nutshell. And so, there's this entire backstory which I find extremely interesting 
about how the GEC weaved its way onto the, you know, to get a seat at the table inside of Twitter and embed themselves to be sitting next to the FBI, the DHS, and CISA in Twitter's content moderation uh, in their collusion with federal agencies. So check this out. So uh, around the time COVID broke out in 2020, right, the GEC uh, created a report which was called the Russian Disinformation Apparatus Taking Advantage of Coronavirus Concerns. And so what they did, and this is how they got their way, their foot in the door. What they did was create a report which was largely plagiarized. <laughs> and what they did was they added to this plagiarized report and then they went straight to the press. They went to the media with a huge list of something like 250,000 accounts that they had flagged as Chinese and Russian bots. And the reason they did this was to try to make Twitter look bad for not doing more to get rid of bots and state actors trying to peddle what they deemed propaganda. So you already have Twitter colluding with the FBI, DHS, and CISA. And uh, what the GEC was trying to do was make a public pressure campaign to make it look as if they're not doing a good enough job at censorship. And therefore, you guys need us. And by leaking this to the press, what they were trying to do, because this was obviously very problematic for Twitter, and Yoel Roth, the head of trust and safety, and Vijaya Gad and all these people, they're getting uh, a bad press coverage. And it's making them look like they're just... You know, they're not they're not cracking down enough in getting rid of Russian and Chinese propaganda bot armies that are trying to sway the cultural narrative. So by leaking it to the press, they're they're like basically saying to Twitter, hey, you want us to stop doing this? You want us to stop leaking to the press how bad of a job you're doing? Okay, well, how about this? We'll come directly to you. Instead of going to the press, but you got to let us in. You got to let us be at the table. Okay, we, we want in. We want to be a part of this uh, conglomerate of federal agencies that have been weaponized against the American people and people abroad in other nations. And we want to we want to we want to help. We, we are the government and we're here to help. That's what they did. So initially, uh, Yoel Roth he expressed, and there's plenty of emails where Yoel Roth was expressing his concern. He didn't want to bring in the GEC because he was concerned with the methodology that they, the GEC was using to flag accounts. Like I said, they basically plagiarized this initial report in the early stages of COVID, and they were making lists uh, of accounts that they claimed were bot accounts, when in fact, a lot of these accounts that they were saying were bots were actually real, verified users. So, Yoel Roth was concerned with the GEC's methodology and practice here, and he was also concerned with the fact that, hey, you know, we've been working with the FBI and DHS and CISA for years, and we've got a, a trusted partnership with them. You know, we've got a great relationship with Elvis Chan, you know, and and we, we, we've got all these former FBI 
uh, high-level officials now working in the private sector. And, you know, that's our, that's our main, that's our main squeeze, right? The FBI. We've got this established relationship. Do we really want to bring in somebody else into our little inner circle here that could be problematic? I don't, I don't want to do that. So Yoel Roth was, was against this at first. And here's the thing that I found interesting. Well, one of the things. Uh, Yoel Roth was especially concerned about bringing in the GEC in the lead-up to the 2020 election, saying that there was potential that the GEC could disrupt the process that they already have. Go- hey, we've already got a good thing going. I mean, we've got plans. We're, we're going to censor the hell out of conservatives and anybody claiming there's election fraud, right? We've got this whole system. We've got the Election Integrity Partnership and CISA and the, the DHS. We've got people all over. Uh, we've, we've created portals for them to report different users saying Dominion machines are rigged and all this. So we've got this entire infrastructure and we're ready to go. We're going to rig this election, and we're going to censor everybody who talks about it. So do we really want to bring in the GEC in the lead-up to an election and have them potentially send us reports that are uh, you know, not verified and, 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 and screw us all up? Yeah, so, so that was his concern. And he actually said in one of these tweets that the GEC might be too partisan and might, you know, want to try to advance a political narrative. In fact, in one of his tweets, he referred to the GEC as partisan and referred to the FBI as largely apolitical. I poop you not. He referred to the FBI as largely apolitical. The very same FBI, which, uh, launched an all-out attack on the Trump presidency, right, and has been completely weaponized against the American people, specifically conservatives. He says they're apolitical. So I can only imagine the the corruption within the GEC if Yoel Roth is concerned that they might be partisan. But anyways, ultimately, though, the GEC succeeded and got themselves immersed into the group discussion along with the other Uh, government agencies, and became part of Twitter's content moderation. Now, here's where things get really, really interesting. Let's jump back to the GEC's website. So if you go to the GEC's website and you look at leadership, uh, you can see that the Secretary of State here is the head of this agency. Now, since this was going down... This initial partnership was going down in the 2020 lead up to the 2020 election. That would mean that Mike Pompeo at the time was the ringleader in charge of all of this during the Trump administration. And after taking a closer look, the type of things that the GEC was concerned about, the reason that they wanted to be you know have a seat at the table, it looks it appears that the GEC was mostly concerned and mostly wanted Twitter to collude with them so that they could steer the conversation on foreign affairs, right? Because, I mean, the Secretary of State is the the, the, the top advisor regarding foreign policy. Now, while some degree that's understandable, 
given that the Chinese and the Russians literally do have bot farms, they do exist, and they do attempt to push certain narratives. So I guess the U.S. government, uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, wanted to put a stop to it. Uh, it, it makes a little bit of sense. But one thing that I find really concerning, and now we'll jump back to the Twitter thread, if I could find it. One of the things I found really concerning was the fact that the GEC seemed particularly concerned about information surrounding the origins of COVID. If you look at this, this is the report I was telling you about from February 14, 2020. And you can see in this report published by the GEC, where they highlight the concerns of Russian disinformation surrounding COVID, and they wanted to suppress specific narratives such as Bill Gates and Agenda 201. Remember that there was a, uh, you know, there was there was the Agenda 201, a simulation of a COVID-like pandemic that was run by the, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation like weeks or months before COVID broke out. So a lot of people were saying, well, that's suspicious. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe this was all pre-planned. The GEC wanted to suppress that narrative. They also wanted to suppress um, anybody describing coronavi- the coronavirus as an engineered bioweapon. And they also were extremely concerned, and this is the big one. Some of you guys are going to catch on to this quick. Here's, here's number five. One of the main things the GEC was concerned about was the appearance of the virus in China being linked to the CIA. A, that the CIA had their hand in releasing the COVID-19 pandemic onto the world. Now, why would Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, be specifically concerned about the narrative being perpetuated that the CIA had their hand in the release of COVID-19? Well, could it be that Mike Pompeo was the former CIA director? Do you think that could have had anything to do with it? Uh, and and there's there's an old saying, once CIA, always CIA. Could my, Mike Pompeo have been concerned about protecting his buddies, uh, uh, or you know, from from the public finding out that the CIA had their hand in this? I think it's very possible, and I'm not a guy who thinks Mike Pompeo's a white hat. Um, so here we have the former CIA director trying to embed himself into Twitter to suppress people from exposing the CIA. And uh, that, that was what I found the most, the most interesting about this whole thing. Now, as the story progresses, you can see not only did the GEC embed themselves into Twitter, but so did every other government agency. And Twitter executives started expressing that they were, they were being literally flooded day in and day out, bombarded with requests from different FBI agencies, uh, you know, uh, NSA, the freaking GEC, uh, DHS, CISA. They were just getting bombarded and flooded with requests to remove certain accounts. And eventually, you know, they pushed back at first, but eventually they just caved and started acquiescing to every request. Now, so we talked about this GEC partnership with uh, Twitter in in the year 2020, but obviously since it is now controlled by uh, Blinken, 
Biden's Secretary of State. And so there's one particular thing which I found extremely interesting. And you guys are going to love this if I could find it. If not, I, I have my notes. But there was one thing that was extremely interesting. Uh, forget it. I can't remember which tweet it is, but guess what? It's in there. And here's what they said. The Biden government started sending preemptive warnings about a book that was going to be coming out soon. And it was written by none other than the Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. And if you'll remember, Shokin was the prosecutor that Biden had fired and threatened to withhold a billion dollars in military aid to Ukraine if they didn't fire him. So here we have the federal government pressuring Twitter under the Biden administration saying that there's a book that's going to come out and the Russians, they got a bot farm that they're ready to launch and amplify the publicity of this book, which would expose the corruption of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and their dealings with Burisma. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. These people have embedded themselves into big tech to protect themselves. And, and it's, 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 I, I know that at this point, given all these Twitter files that we've seen, uh, it's almost redundant at this point. It's like, yeah, duh. I, I, I know that. But the intricate details of it, um, you know, when you peel back the layers of the onion, it just gets sicker and sicker and sicker. Now, somebody said, poor Nick still doesn't have a Twitter account. Nope. I got banned with, I don't know, 10,000 followers on Twitter. And I've, I've appealed like every other day. Because that's literally the only big tech platform that I have any chance of being on. I'm banned from, um, I'm banned from YouTube. I don't really use Facebook, especially not for this stuff. Because I know that it would be like a day before. I mean, I, my own personal page, I don't even post on it. And yet, every time I log in, I'm suspended for another 30 days, and you can't go live, and you can't, like, use the marketplace. I'm like, from for what? And then I look, it's like a meme I posted two years ago that they're, they've all of a sudden caught and flagged. So I don't use Facebook. I'm banned off YouTube forever. I'm banned off Twitter. And uh, I was I was hoping I would get reinstated so I could maybe post short clips of these live streams and hope that they get shared out and draw people over here because man this 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 channel's completely stagnant it's not it's not growing uh and I've been looking for any way to set up some sort of media model that would draw traffic over here and it's just it's just I don't know what Elon's doing man but I'm still banned and it's pissing me off now before we get to the next story talking about Arizona please make sure to smash that rumble button baby smash that rumble button and also, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsor, My Pillow. Trying to save America from the brink of communism is very exhausting, and if you're fighting the deep state day in and day out, you're probably very, very tired. You deserve a great night's sleep, and you deserve to gift yourself some of the best sleep products on the market. And where do you find those? Of course, at MyPillow.com. 
Go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code Nick, and save tons of money on the best sleep products on the market while also supporting the great patriot Mike Lindell and yours truly, Nick Moe Cedar. Pillows, bed sheets, mattress toppers, slippers, you name it, Mike Lindell has it at MyPillow.com. Everything that you need for personal comfort and the best sleep that you can possibly get. Go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code Nick, save tons of money, support great patriots, and give yourself the gift of a great night's sleep. Okay, so let's talk about Arizona. So, like I said in the beginning of this show, this is not about Kerry Lake. We still don't have a decision from the appellate court regarding Kerry Lake, which is odd to me. I, I, I really, um, I guess I'm not as familiar with the legal processes, uh, process of appeals because I thought we'd have an answer by now. But still, nothing. And she said, you know, don't worry because it could be the appeals court, they want to have oral argument and uh, allow the chance for attorneys to submit new briefs and stuff like that. And the appellate court will have a chance to ask more questions. So don't be alarmed. You know, it could be a good thing. But still, I thought I figured we'd get an answer by now. So this has to do with Abraham Hamaday. And you may have heard word of this already, but we're going to get into the specifics here. Abraham Hamaday is seeking a new trial and a full ballot inspection of the attorney general race. Now, Obviously, Abraham Hamaday was the Republican uh, for attorney general that allegedly lost to Chris Mays by a margin a little over 500, right? But then we had that Pinal County recount, which reduced that margin down to 280. And so Abraham Hamaday didn't find the, the recount results until after the trial. And now he's saying that Katie Hobbs withheld the results of the P- Pinal County's uh, recount and also that the judge did not allow his attorney sufficient time to do a thorough inspection of the ballots. He did get an initial review of the ballots granted by the court, but he says that, you know, they were only given like six hours. And, you know, they had like six hours to review the ballots, and they had only a matter of hours to not not just review those ballots, but then put together a case and present it at court before the trial. Their review was like the day before the trial. So he says, this was ridiculous. You didn't give us uh, the actual, you know, you you didn't allow us to actually do a real review of the ballots. And we also know that uh, Katie Hobbs purposefully withheld the results of Pinal County. So he's making a case as to why he deserves a new election. And uh, so here's what he's asking from the courts. He's asking the courts to allow a full ballot inspection of all 15 counties. And he also wants a review of the provisional ballots, right? Now, um, when we when we looked at the Pinal County results, they, they, they gave a report explaining why there was this discrepancy. And apparently it was because the machines were not tabulating. Well, what they were doing, there was so-called undervotes that were not being counted. And these were actually people that voted for Abraham Hamaday that I believe were being counted as undervotes or something like that. There was a discrepancy in the machines, but, uh, you know, they did an initial hand count of some of the precincts and they did sort of a root cause analysis, which identified an error in how the machines were tabulating. So what, what Abraham Hamaday is simply saying is that, hey, we, we found this major error in Pinal County. Uh, I think this warrants a further ballot inspection across all 15 counties. We want a hand count of the ballots, and we believe, based on the results in Pinal, that 
If you count up all the ballots, we would win. Now, there's this other thing, which is even more interesting. And this was presented uh, on Steve Bannon's podcast. So there was a lot of provisional ballots that were not counted. Provisional ballots, like if you go and you try to vote at a vote center in person, and they say that we can't, you know, we can't find you. Like you say you're a registered voter, but we can't find your, uh, you know, the electronic poll pad. We're trying to look you up, but we're not seeing you in the voter rolls. So what we'll allow you to do is cast a provisional ballot, and we'll set that off to the side, and then we'll check it. We'll follow up about this later. If there's some kind of error in the system, then we'll get it resolved, and then that ballot will count. Well, there's something like 5,000 ballots that were provisional that were not counted. And Abraham Hamaday, he went and... uh, you know, asked Maricopa County, why why were these ballots not counted? And their response was, well, a lot of these people were not registered to vote, um, or, you know, there was some sort of... Th- 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 these were people that were not registered to vote, right? Now, what Abraham Hamaday has done, he and his attorneys and the RNC have actually been going through the provisionals and finding... That these people that are supposedly, you know, they weren't registered to vote in the 2022 election. Oddly, they voted in the primaries. They voted in the 2020 election and the primaries then. And the 2018 election and the primaries then. And all of a sudden, in the general election, November 8th, 2022, these people are all of a sudden not registered to vote. And their votes are being canceled. So, Abraham Hamaday thinks that you know, there was some sort of manipulation where they were intentionally canceling the voter registration of legitimate voters and disenfranchising them by not counting their ballots. So he's asking the courts for a, a review of these provisional ballots to see if these are, you know, if any of these are actual voters whose ballots should have been counted. And we've had, um, we've had the, what's her name, Jennifer Wright the assistant attorney general actually become a a party in this case. She was the election integrity unit under Mark Burnovich's. She was the head of that unit and she's actually intervening in this case and is now a party to it. So she has been helping to put together the legal arguments as an election. Trying to save America from the brink of communism. I did it again. (laughs) I play my ads every time I switch scenes, man. It's embarrassing. I'm technologically retarded. Um, But she is an election integrity expert, right? And so she knows exactly how to craft arguments and how to submit this to the courts in a way that they might actually take it seriously. I I, I watched the trial way back on, I think, December 23rd that Abraham Hamaday went to trial, and I was embarrassed. The attorneys in that case, uh, the attorney, was uh, totally incompetent, and there was no evidence they had a they had a, a, a an initial inspection of the ballots and then they went to court and they were like uh so basically we have no evidence okay and i understand that you're going to dismiss this case all right i know that you're going to dismiss it but just understand that you know even though we have no evidence it was a good faith effort and please don't sanction us please for the love of god just don't sanction me that was his presentation in a nutshell this attorney i th- what, what what was his name uh, Tim Lasota, 
the worst attorney. I have never seen a worse presentation from anybody bringing an election challenge in this entire time I've been covering this stuff. It was the worst presentation I've ever seen. And Abraham Hamaday is an attorney himself who who wants to be the head prosecutor. So I'm like, how do you even get partnered with a guy like this? So now that Jennifer Wright is on the scene and she's actually assisting in this case, maybe things will go differently. But I have to throw this out there. The fact that this was already completely botched at trial on December 23rd in front of the judge that they're asking to, for a new trial, I have a feeling that the judge may just be like, look, I already gave you a chance and you, and you freaking blew it. You know, I already, I already allowed you to pr- present your evidence and you sat there and told me you didn't have any. But with these new revelations from Pinal County, as well as the, re- the, the review that they're doing of the provisional ballots, and Jennifer Wright being on the case, maybe, just maybe, and it's, it's a big maybe, we might get different results. Uh, but I won't be holding my breath, but I just wanted to report this to you guys because the, the fight for election integrity in Arizona is still going. You know, it ain't, it's still alive. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, please do me a favor and smash that rumble button. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we're going to be shutting this down. But please make sure to share this to a friend. Post it on Truth Social, to Twitter, to Facebook, wh- whatever you got. It would really help us out. We're trying to grow this platform. And really, the only way to do that is, is with your help. So I share it to all my, you know, social media. And, uh, you know, we, we are doing a little bit better with engagement. The past couple live streams were up to, you know, five, 6,000 viewers, which is pretty good. Pretty good. But, uh, you know, we, we got to keep growing, man. We got to grow the wealth pack. We got to get the message out there to new people. Because if I'm sitting here talking to the same people every day, you know, most of the most of the people out there already know this stuff anyway. You know, I we I want to be I want to be more effective with our messaging. So I can I can only do that with your help. Please share this out. Thank you for watching. And one more message from our sponsor, preparewithnickmoseder.com. Oops. Guys, it feels like stuff is going to hit the fan any minute. Are you ready? Do you have at least three months worth of food stocked up? If not, go to preparewithnickmoseeder.com where you'll find new lower prices from My Patriot Supply. Save $200 on a three-month emergency food kit and get free shipping. And right now when you buy the three-month food kit, not only will you save $200, you'll also get a bonus for free survival spring water filters, which is a $99 value. During an emergency, it may be impossible to find clean drinking water, but with the pocket size Survival Spring, you'll have access to clean drinking water no matter where you are. Go to preparewithnickmoseeder.com right now and save $200 per kit. Your kits will ship fast and free. With the world on the brink of chaos, don't take chances. Go to preparewithnickmoseeder.com. That's preparewithnickmoseeder.com. All right, guys, be sure to tune in tomorrow, most likely around 2 o'clock. I'm going to try to stick with 2. Uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be going live tomorrow. Around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, make sure to tune in. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of crap to talk about. I want to thank you all for watching. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you next time.